0: Hey man, say man. Welcome into the second episode of the Am I Right Podcast featuring me, your host, Mir Muhammad. You know, there are a lot of quote-on-quote, I'm hearing this over a lot of days, you know, talking with friends and stuff, and people are throwing around this word contenders. Like it's just normal. You know what I mean? Any team that shows any promise is a a contender. Um, Today I'm here to clear some of that up. I'm here to give you my opinion, give you my takes on the actual contenders in the NFL and teams who you think might be contenders but are actually pretenders in this league let's get right to it guys um, first off first off let's start off with some pretenders the first team on my list the Baltimore Ravens and and, and now I know I know Ravens fans are gonna hate me for this one um, and I know the Ravens have torn the league apart since Lamar Jackson has entered it entered the league and has has started for the Ravens but hear me out, in all of Lamar Jackson's career, I've never seen this guy win a big game. I understand in the NFL every single win is huge, In Lamar Jackson, boy, does he have some wins. I mean, he's probably got the record for most wins by a quarterback in his first two years starting, him and Mahomes right up there, but at Louisville, he couldn't win a bowl game. In the NFL, he hasn't been able to get a win against Mahomes, he's 0-2 in playoff games, This was about the same time in Peyton Manning's career where everybody was like, man, this guy is really a choker. You know know what I'm saying? And so a lot of people now are saying, hey, you can't judge Lamar, because when Peyton was that young, he was just as bad. Well, Peyton's been known as a choker his whole entire career. That's not something I want for Lamar Jackson. That's not something I think Ravens fans would want for their team. The only person holding the Ravens back right now from a Super Bowl is Lamar Jackson. Now, um, I think the Ravens organization knows Lamar Jackson better than any of us. They see the guy every single day, right? And so I think that has played a part into how the Ravens have drafted, how the Ravens have acted in free agency, and how the Ravens have built their offense and called their offense, obviously, right? So the Ravens invest heavily into the tight end spot because Lamar loves going to his tight ends. Lamar is deadly accurate across the middle loves throwing in the seams. so you go out there you invest heavily in the tight end spot now at the outside receiver spot you notice that Lamar loves the deep ball he, he he's enamored by it like Lamar loves slinging it deep you know what I'm saying Lamar's got a huge rocket arm you pair him up with a deep threat Marquise Brown a guy who's from the same part of Florida as him the two guys are, are best friends you know what I mean it's a match made in heaven so great job there by the Ravens the Ravens also do this thing with running backs, where they like to keep their legs really fresh, run it by committee, have a dominant offensive line, and basically have a really, really efficient run game. In 2019, the Ravens had probably the most efficient run game of all time in the NFL, right? Um, I, I think that actually was a stat. They had the most efficient run game of all time in the NFL in terms of yards per carry amongst the whole team. Um but that, that, that doesn't matter. Um, that's a strength of the Ravens, obviously. I feel like they're one of the best run offenses in the NFL. I feel like this is one of the best defenses in the NFL. This is one of the most best coached teams in the NFL. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, the most important position is quarterback. And when the Ravens go down by more than one possession, it is very hard for you to sit here and convince me that they're going to come back. Because Lamar just really, really struggles with passing game with pass game, uh, game scripts. You know what i'm saying so a passing game script for lamar jackson when you're down by more than one score and you gotta throw yourself back into the game you gotta throw intermediate um sideline throws you gotta make throws outside the numbers that are that aren't you know your your typical lob it up there deep ball over the shoulder grab you gotta make an accurate stand in there throw like an nfl quarterback lamar jackson falls a little bit short in those regards um i think the ravens are starting to trust jackson just a bit more and that's why they're they're getting um, you know bigger receivers, bigger possession guys. So I think they're they're trying to say you know we're gonna we're gonna make up for you know his lack of accuracy in the intermediate game, get him a bigger target in there. I mean I'm not really big on Des Bryant. I think his best days are way behind him. I don't think he nearly. He, I don't I don't think he's a quarter of the same player that he was in 2014 or before that. Um, but we'll see the Ravens are experimenting with a lot of stuff here, so I think it'll be really interesting to see if they can prove me wrong in the playoffs this year, but I do have them taking a first round exit. Now, let's get to our second pretender of the episode. My pick's the Seattle Seahawks. Reason is totally opposite from the Ravens. Seahawks have elite quarterback, uh, offensive line's getting better, a good running back, and a Deadly wide receiving core with an elite head coach, right? The problem is, that defense is, it might be the leakiest in the league. That that might be the worst defense in the NFL. The secondary has been horrible in coverage. I mean, I know that Ryan Neal uh, has stepped up in there for Jamal Adams since week three. He's been a really nice piece for that defense. Um, LJ Collier on the front, and, and let's talk about the front seven a little bit, because the secondary is 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 horrid okay um the front seven is is probably just as equally as bad if we're not talking about bobby wagner who's obviously a spectacular player but there's only one one man can do um but lj collier um brad mawaya mayawaya uh whatever you say his last name he's probably been the lone bright spot on that defensive line I mean, I I enjoy Puna Ford, but there's only so much D-tackles can influence your defense. Um, But I will say this about the Seahawks. I could very well see a situation where this defense transforms um, into maybe a top 17, top 15 group, kind of like how the Kansas City Chiefs did last season towards the end of the year with Steve Spagnuolo and uh, picking up that defense. Um... I mean, the leadership from Jamal Adams when he gets back, the leadership of Pete Carroll, one of the best defensive minds of all time, um, could be really something to see for the Seahawks come playoff time. I really hope that they do improve it, just for the sake of having good games, not trying to see that defense get torched. It's just really, really bad football. Um, but, but, but yeah, man, that—that's my reasoning for putting the Seahawks as a pretender. The defense is just a little bit too leaky for me. Hopefully, they can improve it in these next coming weeks. Um, Let's get to our third and final pretender for this episode. My third and final pretender is going to be Green Bay Packers. Now, the Green Bay Packers, the reason I've got them in here is one word, and that word is streaky. The offense, we all know who Aaron Rodgers is. He's that man. Like, he's that guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is... I don't know. I always see him as like the Kevin Durant of football. You know what I mean? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is is that guy. We all know who he is, and I remember that, the Kevin Durant game and Patrick Reveley You know who I am? You know what I'm saying? I guess Aaron Rodgers always uh, has that little chip on his shoulder, and I know Aaron is Aaron, and I know that the offense is bound to show up. I like Lafleur. I like what he's done. Um, I like the freedom that he's that he's given Aaron Rodgers this year. My problem is just the streakiness from this team as a whole. When the run game isn't there, it almost seems like this team really, really struggles to pass. Uh, sorry about that. Excuse me. Struggles to pass partially because I just feel like when they get out of a running game script, they're just so predictable. You know what I mean? Like this offense, when they're not able to establish play action um, with with the run game with Jamal Adams, I mean, not Jamal, it's Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones and you know, a little bit of Taiwan Urban, you know, going in screens and stuff like that. Um, and then I mentioned A.J. Dillon. Uh, actually, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but, yeah, I feel like when they're not able to run the ball, they can't get into play action. It's really, really predictable um, for the defense. And I, and I think that partially plays into the factor of why this offense is, is a little bit streaky. Um, I feel like at times the offense is a little bit too dependent on Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is looking to get him the ball. I feel like when, when Rodgers has the freedom to look to everyone, when Adams is not there, he's surveying the entire field. What did Rodgers have um, in that game with with and scored the three touchdowns? He had like, he had completions to like six different receivers. You know what I'm saying? He's looking all over the field, um, but that's partially because his dependence on Adams is partially because of the Packers' incompetence to fully go out there and get a wide receiver for this fan. I mentioned A.J. Dillon earlier, but come on, Green Bay. You select A.J. Dillon in the second round of probably the best wide receiver class I've ever seen, and you don't even play the guy. You can at least play him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's, it's actually sickening to see. Um, I promise you the football gods are not gonna let this one go. Green Bay is gonna get bit in the ass in the playoffs. They're going out in the first round. That's the final pretender for this list. Um, now, let's get, let's get optimistic. You know what I'm saying? Let's get excited. Let's get to some teams that I think have the highest percent chance of going to the Super Bowl. Number one on this list for me is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, last year, before the Big Ben injury, they were my pick to win the division. This year, they were my picks to win the division. Reason is, they've got the best offensive line in the division. They've got the best head coach in the division. They've got the best quarterback in the division. They've also got the best defense in the division. And now what we're seeing, they might have the best wide receiver core in that division. The Pittsburgh Steelers just always have an abundance of talent. um, And it's about damn time they got to the big game. Uh, I really, really, really am a believer in Deontay Johnson, um, Chase Claypool. I know Juju Smith-Schuster might even—he might be the worst out of those three. You know what I'm saying? And James Washington is no scrub too. I mean, you got probably one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You got Ben Roethlisberger back there, who is on fire this season. Um, Under—he's low-key on fire. Probably gonna win Comeback Player of the Year this year. You got, I mean, you got James Conner, on the uh, defensive end. Stefan Tewitt, you got T.J. Bottman, boys. I mean, Joe Hayden's looking like him, his old self. Minka uh, is back there. I mean, this unit, Terrell Edmund, That is, bro, the Steelers, for me, are the dark horse to win this Super Bowl. I know they're undefeated right now, but still, people are giving this team enough respect. I know, I know the lack of, uh, of prowess in the schedule that doesn't worry me at all. Mike Tomlin is the second best coach in the NFL. This team's got to get it done this year. Um now on to our second pick for, you know, contenders in this in this league. I'm going to go ahead and say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I had this idea for this video before Antonio Brown was signed and I said that the Buccaneers were my Super Bowl pick before the season. Um, I know a lot of people watching this, listening to this, are going to say, hey, Amir, you're so biased. Uh, I, know, I, I know you like the Patriots. Tom Brady's not on my team anymore. I have no reason to root for this guy. Of course, I want him to do well and everything, but being objectively speaking as a football mind and as somebody who's analyzed the sport for a while, I really do believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are legitimate contenders out of the NFC because of this reason alone, I mean, the Bruce Arians, Tom Brady relationship, what I've seen this season has been amazing. I mean, Arians is a guy, we saw him with Carson Palmer um, and he had him in an MVP type season with Arizona in the back end of his career. So I think that this year, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that Brady would be in contention for MVP and the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? So um, Arians also showed his ability to compromise with Brady and be and be a great players coach for Brady I mean this is literally Bruce Arians is the opposite of Bill Belichick and I think that this is the relationship that Tom Brady wanted when he left New England he wanted somebody who was going to appreciate him appreciate his opinions and appreciate him as a player and I think Bruce Arians does all three of those things well Um, you you saw in March Arians flat out said we're not going to have Antonio Brown in this locker room um, I don't think he's a good fit here. We don't need him, right? Tom Brady has been lobbying for Antonio Brown all summer, all training camp, and Bruce Arians came through. He said, you know what, Tom? You're the greatest quarterback of all time. You're a guy who I think I should listen to. I think we can pick up Antonio Brown. The Bucks pick up Antonio Brown. Now this, what are you going to say about this receiving core? It's going to be for me, it's Antonio Brown, number one receiver. Mike Evans is the number two. Then you got Chris Godwin at number three. And I really, really don't think there is a defense in the NFL who should be a- who should be able to stop this team. Not a real big fan of Leonard Fournette. He should be a backup running back. Ronald Jones, for me, has firmly secured that running back spot. The offensive line, last week it looked better. Um, but it is very, very streaky. Um, We'll we'll see about that more to come this season, but let's get into that Tampa Bay defense. A lot of people before the season were were worried about that defense, and I said last year they were in, they were tops of the league. They were top five in the league in terms of quarterback pressures. They were also a top 10 run defense in the NFL last year, Um, so right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, are... are What are they right now? They're at a top three run defense in the NFL. The secondary is playing lights out. Jamel Dean in the slot. He has a, what, a 90.2 coverage grade by Pro Football Focus. I mean, Sean Murphy bunting is balling out. Uh, they've got... Uh, uh, what's, it, what's his name? Uh, freaking... Uh, the, the safety... Uh, uh, Antoine Winfield out there playing safety. So, I mean... This, this defense has been surprisingly, surprisingly good in the secondary. I did expect the front seven to play well, but this is a top seven defensive unit in the NFL right now. Um, I will say this, I'm a little bit worried about the secondary getting exposed in the playoffs because of the lack of experience in the cornerback and in the safety room, um, but we'll just have to see about that. For now, I've got the Bucks as firm title contenders in the NFC. Let's get to our last team, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you all know who it is. I mean, at least you should know who it is, or, or the fans of this team should be screaming through their, their devices like, this guy's an idiot. But don't worry, don't, don't worry, I'm, I'm gonna say it here. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are the number one contender in the NFL. They're, they probably, they've are they got the, the, mo- the highest percentage to win the Super Bowl. There's not really much for me to say that isn't right in front of your face, um, but I will say this: the defense is getting healthy. Um, so I know it did look very, very leaky this year against Derek. Oh, sorry about that. Against Derek Carr, against Herbert, those are divisional opponents. They always play the Chiefs well. Not really worried about that. Um, but the defense is getting healthy. You know what I'm saying? We've got. Uh, Rashad Breeland coming back Treverius Ward's going to be back later in the season Ladarius Sneed has been a pleasant surprise for Kansas City Chiefs fans um, And now they just got Chris Jones back too. So I think the, G- the Chiefs are totally fine on defense Let's get to this offense not really gonna say anything about Mahomes. We all know who he is um, Sammy Watkins He's getting healthy now. Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the NFL. Not really much to say about him. Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, the best non-quarterback in football. Um, And now they add Le'Veon Bell. And we're going to really, really get to see the creativeness of Andy Reid here. Because we just saw Le'Veon Bell with the worst offensive play caller in the NFL. Now we're going to get to see him with the best offensive play caller in the NFL. It'll be really, really fun to see the ways that Andy Reid gets... Um, Le'Veon Bell involved in the passing game uh, gets him involved in screens Uh, I really 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 want to see how Reed splits this backfield because I know he is enamored with Le'Veon Bell's skill set but yeah uh, I think that'll do it for this video hope you guys enjoyed episode two hope you all are staying safe appreciate you guys listening peace out